We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Elite wide receiver play, a great play, a great catch, a great route, great yards after the catch from a wide receiver is the biggest indicator of whether or not that explosive play can happen on the drive. To me, I think that is the biggest thing that's missing with the Bills. Not elite wide receiver play because they have that with Stephon Diggs. It's beyond that. It's individual plays. It's taking a high percentage throw, a 5- or 10-yard throw that a lot of people were calling for from Josh Allen down the stretch and turning that into a 20-plus yard gain after the catch. Chris Trapasso, CBS Sports, joining us. If you missed that segment, I mentioned there's a Pro Football Focus article I tweeted out over the weekend about explosive plays, which is a spot that the Bills, I mean, they had a good number. They weren't bad mm-hmm. in the explosive play department, but they weren't as good as the Chiefs, and they weren't as good as the Eagles. And those teams are one and two. You know who's really good in explosive plays this year? And it ends up catching up with them down the stretch because they couldn't sustain the rest of the way, is Miami. But mm-hmm. Miami's offense went from, what, okay to yeah. explosive. And that's Tyreek Hill joining Jalen Waddell and having two stud explosive receivers in the same offense. And that's all it really took for them. You might not even think two is that good. McDaniel, My- too, though. Right? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, it's the yeah. scheme. It's the skills. It's the approach that they thought they could beat teams with big plays, and they beat a lot of teams with those big plays. When forced to go against the Bills, that's one thing about this this Bills defense this year that I think was different than years past. All the injuries, they gave up more explosive plays than they had in quite some time. So The only thing I can't figure out is how much I want to blame that on Yak. How important yards after catch is. Because we've talked about it, the team has talked about it, the team made moves that appeared as though they valued it. But, like, I'm looking at the first two years of Josh Allen after the meteoric rise, 2020 and 2021. And I don't know where the Bills ranked in explosive plays those two seasons. I imagine it was pretty high. I'll find that out for you. Their offense clicked. They were not high in yards after catch. They were throwing the ball down the field. There was air yards. And I think there is an ability with this offense to be explosive and be one of the top offenses consistently in football where it looks easy without having guys running around for 50 yards after they catch it, throwing screens. I think Allen just might be a quarterback that you'll never see their offense be high in yak because of what he is as a quarterback. I, I tend to agree with that. So here's a fun way to look at this. So explosive plays. In 2020, the Bills are fourth. In explosive plays? In fo- yep. Fourth in passing plays of 20 yards or more. Just just passing. Fourth. I could, I, let me pull up rushing as well because we count those as and well. I'll give you receiver yards after catch per target. That season for Josh Allen, that's 2020, 46th among quarterbacks. Yeah. 3.2. So they had explosive plays. They were just throwing it down right, the field. Right. Yeah. I, I don't get too hung up on... The explosive play stuff. I'm sorry, on the yak stuff. Because yeah. like when they came into this year saying they needed to be better at yak, I thought, I'm not so sure you do. 
And then they went for pass-catching running backs. And, and how did that go? <laughs> right, that's the thing. Like, I'm, I'm still stuck on they don't know really what they want to be under Ken Dorsey, at least not yet. Maybe that's a little bit of a transition. Okay, so 2020, the Bills are fourth in passing explosive plays. In 2021, they are, by the way, that year the Bucks beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and the Bucks were third and the Chiefs were second in that department. Houston was number one. That's a Deshaun Watson team. That oh, okay. He had a monster season. Okay, so the following year, 2021, last year, the Bills fell all the way when it comes to explosive passing plays. This is a Brian Dable offense down the middle of the pack. Number one, the Bucks. Number three is the Rams. They won the Super Bowl. The Bengals were sixth. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a consistent thing you'll see, that the best teams get big, big plays. And this season, 2022, in explosive passing plays, mentioned the Chiefs and the Eagles are one and two. Then come the Dolphins, Raiders, Lions, Patriots, Niners, Jaguars, Texans, Broncos, Packers, Bengals, Bills. I just think they should... I don't have to worry about yak so much, Joe, but I do want the number of big plays to go up a lot more. The other thing to point out is the Eagles have 63 passes of 20 yards or more on fewer attempts than the Bills. Like The Bills had 574 passing attempts, and... They basically get an explosive passing play one out of every 10 passes in that neighborhood. And Philly was higher than that. And the Dolphins were higher than that. And, you know, you can go up and down and find a good number of teams that had a better rate mm-hmm. at the explosive play. So, And what lesson is to be learned from teams like that? I mean, they all did it a little different. Yep. But like Philadelphia is in the Super Bowl this week, and I was thinking about this weekend. Like, what, what is there anything to be replicated from what they've done, how well, they've built their team? Would it be crazy... But to, to, from Philly, from Philly, to get two stud receivers and yeah. a stud tight end and a running back well, by committee. And the other thing too, I mean, it's almost tough to compare it to them because it feels like whatever they've tried to do, they've struck gold. Yeah, right. Howie Roseman, their GM, he tried to build a great offensive line. They've one of the best offensive line in football. He poured assets into the defensive line, similar to what the Bills did. He paid Hassan Reddick in free agency. He he traded for Robert Quinn. Even that one didn't work. And they have the best pass rush in football. And he said, all right, we need another stud receiver. We already drafted Devonta Smith. Let's get another one. Yeah. They trade for A.J. Brown. That's been perfect. Like, everything they've touched has turned to gold. It's hard to really replicate that. And it's that's why I'm almost struggling with it. what is to be copied from them. Because just they wanted a good defensive line. They did it. They wanted a good offensive line. They did it. They wanted a good receiving core. They did it. Like, that. how do you do that? Because the Bills aren't going to do all of that this offseason. No, they're not. I guess what I would say is, you know, we switch back and forth between wanting explosive plays, Allen to throw downfield, and also take what's available to you. To me, the the answer is they, they, can, they can be hand-in-hand. Hand. If they draft a wide receiver number two with their first-round draft pick who can stretch the field and get open from the slot, from the outside, whatever, just a do-everything receiver, and helps them get explosive plays – doesn't that very thing help you also do the 12-play drives if you need them? If, if teams are always sure. worried about you going over the top, you have more room to operate with. And that's to me, that's one of the criticisms of Allen that has been fair in that Miami game and maybe in Cincinnati in the playoffs, not as much. I mean, we didn't talk about it that much. But he's always looking down the field. And because he has that access 50 yards down the field that others don't, there should be more space in the middle, underneath, 10 yards, 20 yards. So, you know what, 
whatever, all signs circle back and point to receiver. We'll get a call in here, and then I'm going to tell you the Tom Brady broadcasting story from the New York Times and Richard Deitch. Walter in Toronto. Walter, good morning. Hey, guys, just a quick thought. Maybe uh, some engineers should head over to Orchard Park, you know, check out the stadium. You, know, you guys got rattled pretty good. I did some homework, and in the lower Great Lakes, uh, Lake Erie, Lake Ontario, they've only had three of these size uh, earthquakes in the last 100 years. Well, initially it was 4.2, so I'm basing it on that. Yeah. But they're pretty rare, and, you know, we're talking about a, 50, a 50-year-old structure made of concrete. I don't know, maybe someone should take a look at this <laughs> thing. I hope so. Well, they, I, got, they got time. I did wonder about that because, you know, like, there have been, what, what they say, like a thousand earthquakes every year that are around this size, but a lot of those are in California, a lot of those are along fault lines around the world, where I'm sure, depending on where you are, the buildings are going to be built to withstand earthquakes well, of this size and I, that that's i'm not saying that the buildings around here are not but that was a wonder i had immediately after was a 4.2 earthquake like are, are the buildings in this area able to withstand that clearly the answer is yes um because i think the, the mayor said that a chimney fell on a car and that was really the extent of the damage yes a north buffalo chimney on a car hopefully it's not my chimney and not my car but it was a thought um, i had of like <laughs> how well prepared is this area and like the, the foundation and structures of everything to withstand an earthquake of that size. Well, this is going to be a question. Thanks, Walter. Um, I also feel like if it was my chimney, I would have heard about it by now from my wife. Um, <laughs> yeah. But on this point, the Bills are about to build a new stadium. It seemed like yesterday this might have been a dumb question. Today it's not. What kind of grade can it stand up to in terms of earthquake? Right. Right. You build a brand new stadium. You don't want it to fall down if there's a 5.0. Right. So... What kind of earthquake proofing will there be for this new stadium? Uh, do we ask that next time we talk about it with anybody on like the committee or the team? Because I, I don't know. It feels like it's you make that big of an investment, it, you've got to make sure it's can, it can stand up to a lot of stuff. It's right. That's right. At the same time, it's like what? It is a once in a lifetime thing. Well, we, I mean, of course, it could happen. We, it just did this morning. That's right. And but, blizzards are once every like the blizzard of seventy-seven. They've been like. Blizzards once every 10 years, but that means that the next time one comes, you better be prepared. Right. And whatever that means in terms of staffing and, you know, all the things that go with that. For a billion-dollar stadium, I'd imagine you got to do some work to make sure that it's um, it, might, it can hold up. That's true. I mean, it might depend a little, right? Like, is there a level at which – is there a level at which buildings start to become at risk? Like any building. Height. Yeah, height, you know, the size of it, whatnot – like, is it that a 3.5 earthquake can't really affect any structure? Like, at some point, all right, except now... For that, except for that chimney in North except Buffalo. Except for that chimney. At some point, it's like, okay, 4.0, and, like, these buildings might be a little bit at risk. Yeah. At 5.0, all right, like, what level does a stadium have to start thinking about that? Because if it's, like, a 6.0 earthquake before you have to start thinking about it, then you might think, okay, this has literally never happened in the history of this city. Maybe we don't have to. I don't know. Eight oh three oh five fifty. So the story on Tom Brady. Yeah, what's going on with him? It's not the story. We couldn't get through a single show without <laughs> talking about him. It's not the story about how some sand from the beach where he retired is going on eBay for ninety thousand dollars. That's not it. <laughs> that happened. Um, that happened. Did, no, it, did it sell? Richard Deitch, Brady's agent, probably bought it to manufacture a story for him. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but the Brady broadcasting thing, I do have. Whatever. I've, I've 
find it interesting. Mm-hmm. And there's a story from Richard Deitch who covers sports media. Um, you know, in terms of anybody that's going to write about the media landscape from announcing teams, Richard Deitch is top of the top of the line, top of the list. We should probably have him on sometime soon. We've had him on before. So he's he's going on about Greg Olson, how Greg Olson's done a really nice job. People really like Greg Olson. And if Brady jumps into that spot on Fox's number one team, Olson goes down to number two. Even though he's good enough to be a number one, Collinsworth is there. Herb Street is with Amazon for five years. That there's no opening for a number one job if Brady takes Olson's spot. So that's one side of it. And then he's this is what he writes about Brady and the idea of Brady jumping into the booth. Quote. I spoke with multiple people on Monday who have been in production meetings with Brady on the TV side. They all believe he will do better at the job than you might expect. Everyone I spoke with said they were impressed by Brady's ability to communicate football concepts in a clear way. They all said he was opinionated in those meetings. They described him as someone who could be very funny and occasionally profane and came off like a normal person who simply had an irregular, amazing career and life. It goes on. Quoting, a person who has been in many of those meetings and asked for anonymity because they were not authorized to speak publicly. Mm-hmm. Quote, my gut reaction is he will be prepared. One big question is you don't know how critical he'll be of other players. That's always the biggest transition in question for me. But I've seen him be critical in our meetings. He's a likable guy, and I think he'll be good. Tom has more of a sense of humor than people realize. End quote. Still skeptical. Well, there's a couple things on but, here. It is, I, I think it's kind of funny, we can laugh at it, that this person was not authorized to speak publicly. It's not <laughs> all that often you get anonymous yeah. sourced stuff that say, he's really great and funny. Right, it's something positive. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. Usually the anonymous quote is, this person's a loser. You know, we're getting to draft season. We're going to get to three months of anonymous AFC scout says, not impressed with the work ethic of yeah. receiver <laughs> X. Yep. Anonymous character assassination. And here's an anonymous quote of, hey, you know what, I think he's pretty funny. The, a lot of that could all be true. The biggest problem is, and maybe this is my own assessing the job he might have, if he's all those things, he won't be that good. That doesn't mean he'll be that good. I don't even hmm. really know how anybody could be that good for me anymore. Greg Olson does a fine job. When you're speaking in those 30-second clips at most, mm-hmm. I don't know, Joe, I'm, I, I might be different. Once I have seen a Manning cast and lived that level of analysis uh-huh. and seen what the medium can give me, going back to the traditional broadcast, it does not matter who is in that chair to me really at all. Even if it's Collinsworth going crazy about how good Mahomes is and I roll my eyes, Mm -hmm. or if it's Herb Street not knowing that they called... What was the thing he didn't know last... Herb Street didn't know that Justin Jefferson was was acquired in the dig straight. Even if it's that, none of that really matters to me. And and, and Romo has gone from being great at it to terrible at it. And Right, like what what if Brady is early Romo for you? I'll still watch the same game. If he's on Fox... And I've got a better game I want to watch on CBS. I'll probably watch that. If Brady were to do a Manning cast style, yeah. where I really got to look at you know, him breaking everything down, I'd probably watch it. Because any access to the sport that is next level to me is, you know, I can't get enough of that. Brian Mazarowski brought up a, a good point about Romo. This kind of ties in the Romo criticisms. That maybe in the last three, four years, the game has evolved and Romo just can't predict plays anymore because he's not sharp on the game right. like he used to be. 
And that's probably somewhat true. But watch a Manning cast, and it's not really about predicting the plays. They do that sometimes. But most of the time, it's this is what they were trying to do on that play. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. the snap, or- Burrow looks, he throws it into the dirt. And they will say, ah, uh, yeah, right there. You- Without even one replay. Yeah. Uh, the guard didn't get out of his set fast enough. Here's what they wanted to happen. That level of analysis, you don't have time to do that if you are Greg Olson on the Super Bowl. And the reality is, I don't think the Super Bowl wants you to even be that. You're just there yeah, right. to sound like a football broadcast. Hey, run and stop the run. You don't want to get into third and long. Right. They'll give them all the cliches you want. Yeah. They might even encourage that you kind of dumb it down a little bit. Right. Probably. Do they want Tom Brady talking in lingo that nobody can understand? Nope. Every, I mean, I might like that. Exactly. Because I'll feel like I'm learning something, but does the casual observer want that? Right. Do I need Tom Brady explaining on the Super Bowl broadcast? And I guess this is true of Greg Olson, too. You know, cover four versus cover two versus Tampa yeah. two versus cover. Yes, that interests me. But what is it supposed to be, that number one job? Your Your real job is making it sound like a big game. Yeah, that's because that you become synonymous with the big game. Summerall and Madden, this is a big game. Monday Night Football, Al Michaels' voice, even though this is the year that people seem to think he mailed it in, Al Michaels' voice sounds like a big game. Yeah. How much better is it? Is he at it than others? Well, he's better than a lot, but he makes me feel like I'm watching a big game. And for Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhart, they're going to have the Super Bowl. And I don't know that those two really have that same kind of pull nationally. I think they're both very good at their jobs. But not yet, at least. No, they're not. Buck- like part part of why Michaels and and Summerall and Madden were that, and and Aikman and Buck. Even even though I right. hate Aikman and Buck, they sound like that. But why? Because I'm used to them being right. on it for ten years. Yep, that's it. And how did Buck and Aikman get eighteen million dollars a year to be a broadcast that I don't even watch because I watch the Manning cast instead of them? Right. It's because when they're there, it sounds big. So Brady could be good. It's gonna it's gonna come down to does it feel big when I'm watching it? And for Brady. You know, skeptical this or that. I wonder if he can not make it about himself and make it about the game. That's what I wonder too. Yeah, like is he going to be insufferable about like comparisons and whatnot? Like, am I going to get pa- the Patriot way thrown in my face for the next ten years with him in the booth? <laughs> That's good. No, he won't want to give Belichick credit. That's true. Did you actually, did you see the the leak about uh, the idea being tossed him about returning to New England? Mm-mm. I'll, I'll find the exact quote, but something along the lines of, hell no, I'm not going back there. Nice. When when the idea of going back to New England was tossed to him. I, I wonder how much he'll make it about himself. I just, I also wonder, too, how much I'll just forget it's Tom Brady. Like, that's happened to me with Romo. Romo might as well be a different person than when he was a quarterback in the NFL. Right. Like, I never think about him as the quarterback when he's in the booth. Now he's he is the broadcaster. And will that happen with Brady? Or is it is it too much? Is it too infectious that he beat the Bills for 20 years every single time and that cannot be forgotten? Because I've forgotten about Romo being out on the field when I'm watching. I've forgotten about it. I, I didn't watch Aikman, but I don't think of Aikman as the quarterback. I think of him as the, the broadcaster. So when Brady's up there in the booth, am I going to be judging him on a different as a different person? Because it's going to be a whole new side of him that nobody's ever seen. Yeah. Right. And it's tough in that formula. Is it also a risk by him to kind of go out in the limelight? Because he's thought of right now, he's the holy grail, right? He he can't be touched. And if he goes into this and he's not good at it, that's a blemish that he doesn't really have. I mean, Joe Montana did it and was bad at it. Nobody really cares. Emmett Smith was horrible at it. I don't remember that. that. Oh, my. my. I mean, he might have been. Was he in the booth or was he on, on on a panel? 
Either way, Emmett Smith was horrible. Um, yeah, I guess that could be forgotten about too. Next year, I guess so. Next year, he'll probably be, if if he's going to pursue it, he'll be in the booth, and you know, he's not. I'm not going to turn games off. I don't think, but <laughs> it's just. I think it's a it's a tough ask. What are you supposed to be? When Romo was predicting plays, people got mad at him for that. <laughs> yeah, some people did. It's, I, yeah. I don't miss him predicting plays. I miss him, you know, breaking down a little bit of the game the way that it can be broken down. But again, I don't think that that's really what they want. You're supposed to make it sound good, make it sound big. And if Brady can do that, he'll be fine. 803 to join us here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.